Blog Talk Radio. Hello there. Tonight's episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, number 184, is brought to you by No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow, an evening of Roadshow. Boy, I really got it there. An evening of fantastic folk music with Caroline Solabello, Karen Oliver, and the Yayas. And you can see them live in New Jersey, of all places, at the New Jersey Botanical Gardens Skylands Association, an outdoor evening concert on the grounds of the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful New Jersey Botanical Gardens. Uh, go to facebook.com backslash no fuss and feathers roadshow for details. That's Friday, August 22nd at 6.30 p.m. at the New Jersey Botanical Gardens in New Jersey. So if you are from New Jersey, around New Jersey, in New Jersey, whatever, with New Jersey, go. Go see them. They're really great. It's a really great show. You'll like it. Okay, time for Ready to Unload with Cal and St. Pete. Number 184, talking New York sports nice. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Johnny and the mothers are playing something at the Savoy in Vermont tonight. Berman's gonna kill my brother at the Savoy Theater tonight. I didn't say that. No, but I know this grapevine. Why would I put it there? Kindness? 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 You stole it! He stole it! We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. Episode number 184. Hi. It's the New York Sports Talk Podcast. We're going to talk New York sports night. No big deal. Cup of coffee, maybe an adult beverage. It's Tuesday night. We're coming to you live from Comac, New York, Bayside, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. It's time for the radio one. Well, I've said New Jersey about 18 times in the first minute and a half of the show. And I love it. I love it. I can't stop saying it. I love it. New Jersey. Um, hi, welcome to the program. I'm Sam Pete, one of your hosts. We're going to be talking New York sports and other things, whatever comes to our head. It's episode number 184. Who knows? We could get into National Geographic here, start talking about crustaceans. I don't know. Ray, the sponge has migrated about a foot and a half. Um, it's time we're ready to unload with Count St. Pete. It's Tuesday night. It's 10 p.m. It is July the 22nd. Hi. Welcome to the program. Let's get right to it. There's a ton. We were off last week. Took the week off. Cal was in Atlantic City at a dance competition. Yes, he was at dance competition again. And his girls won. <laughs> Boy, that sounds like Charlie's Angels there a little bit. Cal's girls. These are his daughters. Not, not a group of highly trained spies and detectives. No, these are his daughters, and they, yes, 
and they won. <laughs> he does sound a lot Kel. like uh, like Bos Bosley Bosley. Um, he's Mr. Brian Calneva Calpino Caliente. Hi, Brian. Hi, Steve. Hi, welcome back. <laughs> oh my God, it's Disco Star Wars. Here we are. Here it is. Wow. <laughs> I, I just want this to play. Just let it go. <laughs> you know, this sold more copies than like Abbey Road or like something, probably something ridiculous. Like it sold more copies than like Pearl Jam 10. I believe it. Yeah. A great it's great. Iconic. It is. Is it iconic? Are you sure? It's something onic. <laughs> Supersonic. Iconic. Okay. I don't I- know. Iconic. Is that Ike Davis in icon form? That's right. Well done. Is it a emoticon? Is it a emoticon? <laughs> Which he basically was. Right. Um. Hi, buddy. Hey. What's up? How? Okay. Hey. And there we Hello. are. Back to back to couple skate. I'm just <laughs> back at the roller rink. Good job, everybody. If he plays Home Sweet Home, I am backwards skating. You can't backwards skate. Sure, you can. No, you can't backwards. Not backwards. There was a time for it, and you could backwards skate. They would no. declare backwards skate time. I didn't think so. I thought that was against the rules. Listen, listen, buddy. Where did you grow up in Comac? I believe it was Shelbourne Lane. Is that correct? Yeah, maybe like. Yeah, 30 seconds from you. <laughs> not 30 seconds. It's a good two and a half miles. No, it's not and, that much. And who was who was 30 seconds away from the roller rink, my friend? Uh, you. You were, Steve. Riddle me this, Cal. Did you own a pair of both speed skates and... I had Chicago speed skates. That's right. What? Three quarter, three quarter uh, speed skates. What is that? They were made. They had the Chicago wheels and everything. Oh, they were they were pro. They were pro. Just, just stop. They were pro. What are Chicago wheels? I don't know. I just remember there was like a Chicago on the side, like the brand or something. Oh, you thought there was like a type of wheel? Right. Like oh, you know the Chicago wheels. I had the Chicago wheels. They were really tripped out. Chicago. No, I had the the Chicago brand. I had speed skates. And the first pair of rollerblades. Were they endorsed by Peter Cetera? They were. <laughs> no, who's the other guy? Is there, anybody, is there anybody else in Chicago? It's the only one I know. There's like 152 guys in that's, the band. He's the only correct. one I know. That's correct. Actually, PJ was in Chicago for like four months. <laughs> and hey, does anybody really know what time it is? <laughs> does anybody really know how many people are in Chicago? I feel like PJ was in a reality show, I Want to Be in Chicago. Please, can we make this happen? And it could, be, it could have been the band. It could have been the Broadway show. It could have been anything. It could have been the town. He would have been great. He could have been a Chicago Cub. In fact, I feel like he, like he globetrotted, and he was in each of those things. Like one week he was in the band. Right. Playing a horn. He did it all for the glory of love. Everybody knows it. That's he, but see, that's a rookie mistake, Steve. Come on. That was I know that's that's, that's my bad. <laughs> Getting very upset. 
Is he playing at City Field anytime soon? I don't think so. I, I tell you, I would go see Chicago. Why not? Would you? Chicago's one of those bands that probably has 27 songs that you know that you would be like, oh, that's Chicago? Right. Really? Because right, they all have different singers. But invited, you have no idea who else is in the band. Could be anybody. And it's only because Peter Cetera is singing over the awful Karate Kid 2 soundtrack. Do you remember when Sammy Hagar was in Chicago? <laughs> worst iteration of Chicago it's ever. The worst. The, yeah. the, the true was, Chicago fans hated it. That was a dark 11 months in the Chicago's history. I would pay to see PJ in Chicago doing all that jazz as well. Well, we talked a couple weeks ago about him being forced into a, a, uh, a wetsuit. How about if he was forced into a little, little jazz leotard there? Oh. With the top hat. With the top hat and do it. No, he would do the, uh, the, the John C. Riley part. Right. Right? We should bring him in. We're talking about him in the third person. As well, if just, no, we, we should ask him to turn around so we could talk about him like we're talking behind his back. Even though he's sitting right there. Right. Uh, here he is, the, uh, a school leaver of no fixed hairstyle, and also the casual sports fan, Cal. The aforementioned... Oh, he's got new theme music. Oh, hello. My mind is clearer now. Make that a little louder there, buddy. It was only a matter of time, Cal, before JCS... For all you sports all fans out there, New York sports. From Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> because when I think about New York sports, I think about Ted Neely and Broadway musicals. We might be able to get through the entire month of July without talking about New York sports. <laughs> no, we're talking New York sports. I like was a- walking down the street one day. I love me some Chicago. That is Even- not... Not remotely surprising. Even the, even the 80s ballad Chicago I can put up with if it's all okay. part of a hit show, you know. Uh, it's all part of a what? Hits a show. hits show. Oh, a hits show. Yeah. I don't know what you said there. I thought it was some sort uh, of street slang. We may have to go on the button and bleep that, whatever I yeah. just said <laughs> by mistake. That's a second delay. <laughs> it's all part of some hits show. That was expert backwards. Have you been practicing that? Now being without you, you know what? I'm getting used. What? Sorry. No, I was gonna say an underrated thing that I like about going to Met games on the weekend is that if you're playing, if they're playing a Saturday afternoon game. At City Field, they inevitably play Saturday in the park. Have to. It's the law. Look, they don't want to. It's the law. They don't want to. No. He begrudgingly. When he hits the when he hits the play button, he's like, "Look, this one. Just just read it. It's the law. I don't want to play another Kesha song instead. Who who's that now? Kesha. I don't know who that is. The kids like her. Singing Italian song. Singing Italian song. What? My dad's favorite line from that song, of course. Did not know that was the line. It's now my favorite line ever by Chicago. Of course. You didn't know that that's no. what they said? Didn't know it. Oh, 
Wait, t- wait, take me through the whole lyric then. Are you familiar with the song? I know the one part. Saturday. The man selling ice cream. Man selling yeah. ice cream. I always thought what's he doing when he's selling the ice cream. What's he doing? I <laughs> singing a lovely song. <laughs> Pulling up his thong. <laughs> singing a lovely sure. song. <laughs> Thing. He really say I thought maybe he was selling Italian ice, and he's, we're back. He's singing Italian back. songs. Really? Yes. I honestly didn't know that. So shouldn't he be selling gelato? <laughs> Man selling <laughs> Ralphs. <laughs> you won't. Go. Uh, PJ, uh, we're gonna get back to you in a, in, a, in a little bit because as you yeah, as we're you we're gonna discuss as, later other outfits to shoehorn me into. We'll make that a bit. <laughs> we don't. Yeah, we don't do bits, buddy. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it's no. I really want to get your uh, uh, your opinion because we are going to talk about Tony Junji and and some of the things that he said. And this is that's a good. I know Cal's rolling his eyes. I have nothing to say but a roll of the eyes. Exactly. But it's no. It's a, it's a. It's always we always like to bring you into the sort of casual sports fan stuff that drifts into the drifts over into the transom of whether it's pop culture or social, uh, you know, social mores. When it's a hot topic. Hot topics. When it's, when it's a leather band watch. <laughs> we, want, we want your take. When it's a nose piercing. We want you in sure. there. Sure. When, when it's about the earring, but the upper earring piercing, which I never went for. Ooh. No. I, I, I didn't go for that. I was talking to somebody. I was walking down the street one day. It's just bringing a lovely song. Just going to start every every statement that we make has to start with a Chicago song, which is going to be tough because I only know the three. (laughs) Searching for such a limited catalog to choose from. Look, I'm searching for something to say. It's only 31 albums or so. (laughs) Twenty. That's right. They only recorded 372 songs. They really. You're going to have to scratch around. Cat scratch fever. Um, no, I was going to say. <laughs> now I completely lost my train of thought. You were walking down the street one day. Right. Yeah, that's, that's all I wanted. What were you doing, though? I was uh, singing Italian songs. No, um, I, I can't believe that's the lyric. I can't believe you <laughs> didn't know that. I love that so much. Of all people, you. Of all people. No, we're going to talk about the Mets. We're going to talk about the Yankees. We're going to talk about uh, the Jets and the Bluster. The Bluster is back, Cal. Mm. Uh, we're going to talk about the leftovers later and why I should not be watching this program anymore as to avoid any more <laughs> existential morality anxiety crises. We'll, we'll get to that. That's going to be a good time. That's Looking always, forward to that. That's always fun to talk about. Sounds heady. I like it. What I was hoping for. Tonight I'm ready to unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Sam Pete has a midlife crisis. Right here. On the show. Live. Using all Chicago songs. <laughs> she described the midlife crisis. <laughs> 25 or 6 to 4. We've talked about that. Yes, we have. And what it means. Yes. Some, some hundred episodes ago. Right. RTU flashback. <laughs> flashback, flashback, flashback. Why don't we have that stuff queued up? I, I don't know. Why don't we, like, whenever, whenever we call back to something over the last 180 episodes. Right. Uh, I don't know. Cause you want what? You want the sound bite or you want, some, you want, you want <laughs> someone no. yelling flashback, flashback? 
No. We can do that. Fine enough. I want the sound. I want the actual sound bite. <laughs> with a voiceover tagging the date and show that it Ow. occurred. <laughs> and do, does it need we to need be a big influx of money, I think. Can that happen? Does it need to be a celebrity doing the voiceover? It would help. We're gonna have but to it doesn't have to be. Really expand the budget here. I think I think between us we can do enough accents that we could pass for whoever we need to. That's true. Right. As long as the celebrity is British or Italian, we should be fine. We should be just we should be just fine. <laughs> Everyone look at <laughs> terrible Italian dialect. <laughs> RTU number one of twenty five. Or it's John Travolta. <laughs> That sounds like Papa Video, though. That does sound like Papa Video. RTU flashback. <laughs> Number one eighty three. Last week. Last week. <laughs> Papa Video. Um, okay, let's get to the sports. All right, PJ. Please. God. Hang, ar- hang around, all right? Do it. All right? <laughs> go, fix okay. go fix yourself a sandwich. I am. I'm going to go make a coffee. I'll be back in a minute. All right. Make me a cup nice, all right? Okay. I'm okay. Can I help you? Um, okay, time for the big unload. Can you cue the big unload music, though, before you go upstairs and make the coffee, please, Peach? Thank you. Hot take. From ready to unload with Callan Sands. Hot takes. Cool opinions. These takes are hot. This oil bath is going to be so good. <laughs> um, the reason I said hot takes, uh, where did that come from, Cal? I, I just I, I want to know where hot takes came from. I'm hearing hot takes a lot. I don't know where it came from. I don't care for that. For some more hot takes on sports. What? It, the, the takes thing comes from, I remember Jim Rome saying it 15 years ago when I lived in L.A. And I used to, I used to listen to Rome. I told you that. Yes. Because he was, at the time in L.A., there was no satellite radio. I couldn't get FAN or anything like that. There was no internet radio. Dark ages. There was barely even cars. Was there running water? I was, I was, I was in a, uh, a Ford Model T. That I had to crank to start. How did you get your bread? I know. <laughs> you waited online, buddy. Oh, yeah. You waited online. Uh, and listening to Jim Rome. Only and on odd days. No, he was next to you. Was Jim Rome was next to you talking? talking? That's right. He just used to do the show right there with you. That's how long ago this was. So, and he, his thing was always, uh, have a take, don't suck. Okay, let's get, let's get him on the line. Let's get this clone on the line. Have a take. Don't suck. Don't suck. That was like his big thing. Right. Because he's edgy. He was very edgy. He remains edgy. In, well into his 50s. <laughs> he's not edgy at all, no, by the way. No. I always liked Rome. I told you, though, if you I get, know you past, did. If you get past the, the shtick, yeah, well, he knew his stuff. It's tough to get past the shtick. It is. It is. Right. I, I can't blame him. He's stuck around for a really long time. He's hey, good for him. Out of that. Yeah. And but anyway, I, I need to stop with takes or hot takes or hot get, takes. Get my hot takes on the Jets. No, I don't. No, no, don't do that. Just Your thoughts. Yeah, how about thoughts? Can we soften it a bit? 
And it doesn't have to be hot. Why are you yelling at me? Hey, what do you think? Hey, what do you, how about this one? <laughs> Here's a couple of things I put together. On the Jets. <laughs> all of these all of these really Italian ones should be Dom Constantino. <laughs> <laughs> they should all be this is who's doing an awesome job by the way, covering the Jets. Yes. He's really, really good. We gotta get him on the show during football season. Because he's he's excellent. And uh and every one of them should be I wrote a little something. These guys like this. He doesn't sound like that at all. We had him no. on the show. We had him on the show draft night. Um, okay, fun. so uh, big unload time. Uh, uh, let's unpack this, buddy. Could unpack you, it? Yeah, because you and I, let's start with the Mets, and then I want to go to the Yankees, and then I want to go to Bluster, Blustergate. Okay? Mm-hmm. Blusterthon. <laughs> Bluster Bluth. Um, Return of the Bluster. <laughs> Buster, you can't do that on the balcony, buddy. Still my favorite Arrested Development. There's a million, but the and they did it in like the first season, twice, where you know he's he's talking to uh, he's talking to his mother. Michael's talking to his mother, and he's like, and you will feel the sweet sting of sweat on your cheek as Buster. You can't do that on the balcony, buddy. And he's because he's. Practicing his drums. Right. Right. <laughs> and Tony Hale, mom says it's too windy out there. <laughs> and then he does it again later in the break room. Yep. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, the return of uh, the Jets and, and sort of the, the chattiness and, and how manufactured is that. But I want to start with the Mets, Brian, because you and I have had a really tumultuous two weeks, personally. More and more than two weeks. Yeah, but the last two weeks, it's been, I feel like when we're texting back and forth, when we're watching a Met game, it, there's, there's, there's a tension there. I don't want to say it's like Ross and Rachel tension. There's a tension there. Attention? No, not attention as in, do I have your attention? Uh, a, a tension. A tension. Okay. There isn't. I think... I think Let's, well, okay, well, you know what? Unwrap it. Go ahead. Let me unwrap it. Peel the layers back and let's see what we find. So they had this 10-game homestand. They went 8-2. and two. Before that, we had railed against them. They're at the lowest of the lows. This is it. Apathy has set in. We don't care about the team anymore. Uh, uh, Calais, Callet or Calais, I'm still trying to get him on the show. He wants to come on. Um, writing for CBS, writes a great article about how he's a huge fan and he can't even watch the games anymore. He watches them on game day because it's less painful than watching them. All this. We go through all of this. We've been through this. And then all of a sudden, they put together this 8-2 and homestand and they look like a really turning-the-corner team while they're doing it. And we start to see all the articles, the Joel Sherman writing about how they're about to overtake the town. And the Yankees, of course, are struggling. They get the news about Tanaka and his elbow and possible Tommy John surgery. So, and they go 8-2 and two on this homestand, which we were like, yeah, let's see them go, I don't know, 8-2 and two on this homestand, then we'll talk, into the All-Star break. And we turn around, and they went 8-2 and two on the homestand of the All-Star break. And I went to uh, two games in there, uh, had a great time with the family, you know, went to the Sunday game, everything was clicking. Uh, they blew out the... Uh, uh, the Diamond Marlins. The Marlins. I was sitting right next to The Marlins, to right, right. We went to the game. That's right. No, I'm saying we, I, I took Wesley. I went with yeah, I know, dad. I know. 
And, you know, you were at the game. Uh, you came and met us. We had a great time. Everything they beat the Marlins like nine to one. They blew them out. Oh yeah, no, it was it was feel good city there. Everything's great. The They're waving towels. Everybody's happy. Right. They've turned the corner. They have the bright future. They have all the pitching. Alderson's got to make a move to bring somebody in. But all the while, during, uh, during the All-Star break last week, there's this undercurrent of, I don't trust it. I still don't trust it. You had that undercurrent. I did. Yeah, you did. Now, you had, you had adopted fake it until you make it. Which you still don't understand. Still don't, frankly, understand. But well, oh, we're going to win in Rome. <laughs> Go on. So, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> so, I, but I still had this distrust underneath. And then they, and you and I are texting back and forth during these games. Now, I, I will ask you. So they lose two out of three to San Diego in very Metsian fashion, especially that third game on Sunday. They lose last night. They're never in that game. Uh, they suddenly can't hit again. And two things happen here that I want to get your reaction to. Mm-hmm. One is uh, the Yankees traded for Chase Headley today. Right. And improved their ball club. It's, they improved their ball club. Whether Chase Headley can sort of refine his swing. and they're, they're a better team with Chase Headley on the team than they are with Solarte. Um. They're a better team uh, with McCarthy instead of Nuno. So the Yankees are improving themselves, even like a, you know, two, three games over 500, uh, as they are. And all the talk is the Mets. What are the Mets going to do? Are they gonna, is Sandy finally going to go get a bat, all this stuff? The Yankees don't talk about it. They just go do it. Right. Do it. So that's, that's the first thing I, I want to hear your reaction to. The second one is, which you hate in some way, shape, or form, Almost, you don't hate, but it's, it's, it's such an indictment of what you talk about is that Keith Law from ESPN, the minor league baseball analyst and former assistant GM with the Toronto Blue Jays, I believe, right? That's correct. Um, comes out with his midseason report cards for farm systems, and the Mets move from six to four. So the Mets have the, according to Keith Law, who's a pretty, pretty preeminent guy, the Mets have the fourth best farm system in baseball. When Sandy Alderson took over, I believe they had the 24th. They were somewhere in the 20s. Yeah, I, we don't remember. Um, but they were somewhere in the 20s. The, the farm it system. It was bad. Oh, no. It was very bad. Yeah. So they're having unbelievable success in the minor leagues. All their minor league teams have winning records. They're all doing well. Oh, I think the Cyclones have gotten off to a bad start, but um, the short A season in the Penn League. But they're all doing really, really well. The farm system is rebuilt. Mission accomplished. He's standing out in front like Michael Bluth in front of the Mission Accomplished banner. Uh, like President Bush on the, on, the, on, the, you know, on the top of an aircraft carrier. For the minor leagues. And Sandy Alderson's got the uniform on. He's just like Bush. He's like, we're, we're in the flight suit. Right. Mission accomplished. However, the major league team... Now is six games under 500 again, and going to have likely another losing season. Seven now. Seven after last night. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, seven after last night. Because they were five. They were five, five at the break. At the break, and then down to four. With a, with a, a big win right out of the break. Yep. Great, Friday night. Great comeback win, right? Which made you think, whoa. 
This is interesting because they usually come out of the break slow. And they won that game. They, they blew a 4-0 lead, came back. Travis Darno, the hotshot catcher, he's turned it around since he's come back from the minor leagues. It's been a while since we've Who's, been able to say hotshot catcher. He's now, again, he's a back real player. being hotshot. He's a real major league ball player now. Yes, he is. Which yes, is unbelievable when, when you think wait, about... You know who's red hot, speaking of? Hotshot catchers? Who's that? McCann. <laughs> Brian McCann. I know. He's very Still hot. a terrible contract. It's okay. But they come out of the break and they win that game and you're thinking, wow, they're four games under. And they won this game out of the break that they never win. Yep. Hmm. Maybe, maybe something's going on. Hmm. And then what happens on Saturday, they get like four or five hits against Tyson Ross. A good pitcher. They get smoked. They lose 6 nothing. Yeah, and they weren't really in the game. There was a, one spot late in the game. The bases were loaded. They had a shot to get back into the game, and, and Ruben Tejada had – it was one of the worst at-bats I've ever seen a Major League Baseball player <laughs> to, uh, have. And we watched Ike Davis last year. Right, yeah, we've, we've – you know, <laughs> folks, let's be honest, we're Mets fans, right? <laughs> Yeah, there's one, let's be honest. I know you did it on purpose. I did that on purpose, yes. of course. We, look, we've seen Ryan Thompson around these parts, okay? We know from bad at bats. So the point is that on Saturday night, they lose that game, and sure. And, and, I, and this was my text to you on Sunday morning. Anybody could run into a hot pitcher. It's fine. He's an all-star pitcher. He's a very good pitcher. And you were making excuses. Despite the 7-10 record, what excuses was, were I making? No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying in a bad way. I'm saying three weeks ago, we would have been very... Oh, that, that one game would have just sent us off the rails completely. Exactly, exactly. But in this particular instance, we both were like, okay, hot pitcher, it happens, go get this one today. Okay, but now, yeah, so now you've got a rookie pitcher who's pitching in his third or fourth major league game. Six. It's six start. It's the Padres... You have a chance now to go out and win the series, win the first series out of the break and yep. really take off. And Worst team in baseball. And they don't have a hit into the eighth inning. They get no hit for seven and a third. Two-thirds. Seven and two-thirds. Seven and two-thirds. Until Danny Murphy. And they could have won the game. Well, and, that, and you, you know, you talk about the roller coaster. I do. And here, again, even in the middle of this no-hitter, they're getting no hit by the Padres, and I said to you, the stupid thing about this team is they could either win this game or get no hit, and both outcomes were equally as likely at that point, and this was like in the seventh inning of the game. Right. It was a one nothing game. Zach Wheeler, again, pitched great. He pitched very, very well. He did. Fourth game in a row. He's only given up one earned run, and then, of course, that game unfolds the way that it unfolds on Sunday. Yeah. And they, and they lose with Josh Eshin tripping over himself. So, look, so we're up to speed. I want to hear your reaction to those two. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's, I, wanted, I wanted to do that. I wanted to bring us up to speed. Then they lost last night. They got crushed by the Mariners. Um, because, right, because they lost on, on Sunday. That's, that's part of what my point is. But go ahead. What do you, what do you... Um, so we, we felt a couple of good things that had turned the corner, um, but – uh, like Lucas Duda was starting to look a little more like an everyday player, or at least a major league player, uh, who's, by the way, been still been here for five years. He's 28, but anyway. Um, but the the Yankees go ahead and make the trade. They don't wait. They traded for Chase Headley today. The Mets are now seven games under 500. They have what six games left on this road trip, including 
three with the Brewers, who were uh, one of the better teams in baseball, three more with the Mariners here, it's looking disastrous. They're going to come home from this trip, what, 10 games under? Like, I don't know. Okay, so you got to sell now, right? That changes everything. So does Sandy Alderson know? Because we knew he wasn't going to buy in the first place, Brian. Right. So one of the your big problem with the Mets right now is Alderson, right? It remains Sandy Alderson. Probably. Okay. My my big problem with the Mets right now is less about Sandy Alderson, more about Terry Collins going forward in this season, and also solving shortstop. But uh, with with Ruben Tejada, who's still not proven, he's in every. I don't care what his on base percentage is, he's still not proven. He's an everyday major league shortstop. So th- that's, that's micro, right? I want to see Travis Darno the rest of the season hit consistently. Uh, consistently, I want to see Jacob deGrom. I want to see Zach Wheeler build on, on having some good starts. All this kind of stuff, we're back to square one, right? Back to square one. It's another season of watching young guys develop. That's the only reason to watch this team. We had like a nice two-week window where we could care about the team, and who knows, maybe they can get to 500. And that's gone. Right. So is it ever going to change? Is it ever going to change? No. It's not, right? No. So all these articles, Joel Sherman in the Post and guys writing articles about how the Mets are going to overtake the city. Why do they write those articles, Steve? No, to, 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 to sell papers. I mean, I get it. Yeah. It's, 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 trolling, it's, a, it's trolling a fan base. I get it. It's that. classic. It's a, just a classic maneuver. This is what they do. They could care less. It's in their best interest for the team to be bad. Do you blame... So we got into uh, an interesting debate about Ruben Tejada hitting um, in the eighth inning of the game the other day. Was it the eighth or the ninth? Uh, It was the seventh. The seventh. They loaded the bases without a hit. Right. And Tejada's up in a one nothing game where there being no hit. Right. And I argued that Eric Campbell should pinch hit there. Right. And Terry Collins, asleep at the wheel again, he just never seems to me to make the right move. He, see, that's, that's where I disagree. I don't think he's asleep at the wheel. I think he truly believed Ruben Tejada was the best option in that spot. Let me amend sleep at the wheel. Or asleep at the wheel, because just to sleep at the wheel. <laughs> Let me amend sleep at the wheel. There is too much. I just meant that he misses moments in a game, to me, where he can genuinely affect the outcome of the game. He, he, I, I know exactly what you're saying, but the word you're using is not really... Misses is the wrong word. Okay. He's just wrong about it. I think he misses his opportunity, though. Like, a manager can have an effect on, yeah. a, what, maybe two, three times a game? Yeah, he's just, he, just, he's, he just makes the wrong decision a lot. It's not like... It's not like he doesn't think or he doesn't see that the opportunity is there and he, and okay, he misses it. No, I know. I'm, and I know, like, I'm trying to, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think he just, he's, he sucks. He's just a bad manager. He's just bad. And I think the game has passed him by. I got into a really interesting um, Twitter discussion with DJ short uh, from um, uh, Roto world. Who's uh <laughs> who's a very big Mets fan and obviously a big baseball guy, and he's a big Sabermetrics guy, but 
Um, not holding that against him. But no, we actually got into a very interesting discussion about Darno. And he had tweeted out something to the effect of, does anybody have... I had seen this and I can't remember where. Does anybody have where Travis Darno credited Wally Backman for helping him, for changing him? And right, so and I, he, I pointed him to the interview that Travis Darno did when he first came back up where he said he had a long number of long discussions with Wally Backman and that helped him a lot. But he was looking for specifically for the mechanical uh, aspect of uh, Travis Darno moving closer to the plate. And we, got, we went round and round in, in a good way. We had a really good discussion about it. We talked a lot about one of my favorite topics, which is when the Mets were hitting better, it's not that the philosophy has changed. The organizational hitting philosophy, which is not take till you get a strike, by the way, has not changed. It's just perhaps the current hitting coach is better at implementing it with the younger players than the past hitting coach. Or, more importantly, Wally Backman is more, is more, and his hitting coach at AAA are more efficient implementing it than, the major league, than they are on the major league level with the young players there. And, what's, and the, the hitting coach right now, Lamar Johnson, yeah. what's, where did he come from? Well, the, I, I believe the White Sox, correct? No, no, yeah, at some point he came from the White Sox. But my point is he was the minor league hitting instructor yeah, before right. this. So right. these, these guys that are being brought up, they're going through Lamar Johnson. They're going through Wally Backman. That's and right. then they're coming to the big club with the philosophy. It's a sound. It's taught to them the right way. Exactly. And, I, and I think that's something that's sort of being missed. You know what I mean? Uh, that that and, and, and again, I, why I rally for Wally Backman to be promoted to the manager because and, and keeping uh, Lamar Johnson there because these young players seem to get it more and seem to adopt it more for the other managers that they're playing for in the minor leagues. I mean, look at Brandon Nimmo. Look at Kevin Plawicki. Look at Dilson Herrera. Look at a number of, you know, uh, the, the shortstop kid, Matt Reynolds. Uh, look at these kids adopting, you know, <clears throat> this organizational hitting philosophy and not having a problem with it. And then Darno goes down for four weeks, or, you know, three weeks, and he's got it back. Wilson, Wilma Flores has a 22-game hitting streak. You know, why is it that they're able to adopt? And you see it, you see it in Darno right now, who just tripled, by the way, tripled in a run, one nothing Mets. Um, you see it in Darno right now. He's a different hitter. But the philosophy hasn't changed. Darno is the thing with Darno was I think the noise was just getting too loud for him, and he needed to step away for a little bit. Like and he and he went down there, and they made a minor tweak to his mechanics. They moved him closer to the plate. Yeah, very small. But but I mean, Keith was hilarious. Like two games back, Keith Hernandez was like, uh, everybody and their brother knew that he needed to move closer to the plate. Like, why they didn't do that at the major league level Well, that's on me. That's a whole other reason. But right. then he also went down and he, he spoke with Wally Backman. Yeah. And also the guy he credited a lot, I don't know if you saw, was Frank Biola. Really? I yeah. I see something like that. But it, I, was it to calm just, him down catching-wise? or Just calm him down mentally. Right. Just as a ball player. And okay. just, try to, just try to get him to remember 
that you're a good ball player and that's why you're in the major leagues. Yeah, I mean, the kid had been successful hitting on every level he had played at until he got right. to the major leagues. And but every stop in every organization. I think, to your point, because we're tying this all into Terry Collins, yes. kind of, and Terry Collins has this reputation of being such a great baseball guy and, and this old school, been around the game forever, but for whatever reason, these guys are going and, and talking to Frank Viola and they're talking to Wally Backman and they're talking to other guys and that's getting their head straight. And it's resonating more with them than maybe the voice of Terry Collins right now. And yeah, they play hard. They play hard for him. I, I think there's a debate as to these guys will run through a wall for him because I, I don't, don't think they play smart. I don't think they play smart either. But I, but I also think... But that's part of playing hard, Brian. I also think they get wrapped up in their up. failures. Absolutely. And, I don't, and where's the manager at that point? But, they, but they, that's part of playing hard. Playing smart. Is playing smart. Yeah, you're right. You know, play... Uh, look... Do you think that they have a – do you think there was anything to the – forget about the reowning the city or any of that stuff. It's going to take years, years if it ever happens at all, to undo the 20 years of championships and championship baseball that the Yankees have brought. It's never going to happen again. I mean, it's going to be a – even if the Mets are successful eventually, it's going to be a Yankees-Brooklyn Dodgers thing. It's going to be. Yeah, well, I mean, and it's been since 1962. The Mets have had the town for what? A couple of years in the late 60s, early 70s. A couple of years in the mid-80s. And that's so it. They, they had it for the 80s. They the Yankees, had it. Yankees, they had it for a good 10 years. They had it for a good 10 years. They had it. 83, 83 84 to, you know, 90, 91. Yeah, till the, yeah, the strike. Till the, well, no, till the 92 disaster team. Till the worst team money can buy. But the Yankees were a horrible team then, too. They were yeah, but, but that's when it started to turn. Yeah, but I but I think it was I think it was right around the strike that year of the strike '94 when the Yankees were 17 43. Yes, that that's when yes. it was like okay, the Yankees are back. And the Mets actually weren't that bad that year. They weren't terrible, but I think they were seven games. I think they were they might have even been over 500 when the strike hit. But I think they were like 17 games out because that was, Montreal was running away and hiding. That was the year after the worst team that money could buy. Right. But anyway, regardless. Forget about all that owning the city jazz, okay? Just talk to me now about this team. Seven games under 500. They have 64 games left. Is there any corner that you saw turned? Not from Is a team. Is there anything to that? No, not from a team standpoint, no. Okay. I, saw some, I saw some individual corners turn. I saw Darno come back and kind of establish himself. Um, I think Granderson... Well, Granderson kind of is what he is. He played well for two weeks. And well, he's, he went, I mean, he's been fantastic since May 1st. He's been right, very, very good. Yeah, but he's, he's streaky. He'll go 0 for 12, 0 for 15, but then he'll go, you know, well, I think he's. I think he's, just speaking of him specifically, Brian, I think he's well established that he's not going to be a sort of Jason Bay bust in this no, time. No, 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 he's fine. And he's, we talked about all this, he's excellent for the clubhouse, he's excellent for the fans, he's good for the young players. He's, he's a great guy to have on this team. He's certainly not going to hurt you in right. I, I, think, um, I think the back end of the bullpen in Mejia and Familia have really announced their arrival. Okay. I, think, I think they're, they're legitimate. 
and they're here to stay, and they're only going to get better. Um, whether you want to, you know, I, I'm of the belief that maybe you flip them, you make Familia the closer, and yeah, you make Mejia. Like, I still like Mejia there. I don't, I don't see where it would be harmful to alternate, right? Depending on, depending on what's going on right. and the usage, and but that, and that's it. And and you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll give Lucas Duda a little bit of credit too. I think, I think I've seen a little bit more out of Lucas Duda that maybe there's okay. something there. That's fair. You I know? don't, I don't think so, but that's fair. That's fine. But but to I, think your question, be, I think it'll be passable for this year. That's all I see. I don't. I don't think any corner as a team was turned at all. I think okay. they had two good weeks, and then they reverted right back to what they are. Okay. Overall, as a group. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I, I I see some good signs. I tell you, it was nice to go out to the to the game. You know, when we were out on that Sunday or whatever, and and people were having a good time. Pretty good crowd. They were into it. Um, there needs to be more of that. You know, Darno had a couple hits in that game. You know, they just uh, it, they, there needs to be more of that. Okay, how? Wright, Wright had a double. You know, we've talked about all the ways. I I just don't think it's going to happen, Brian. I think it's going to happen. I I don't look. I well, you well look. You you are in. Sandy Alderson's camp. I'm not though. That's what I was just about to say. Like I defend him all the time because I I think he's handcuffed. But you're, that missing, said, you're not even going to let me finish, are you? I'll let you finish. Because I wasn't going where you're going. Objection. Overruled. Watch yourself, counselor. <laughs> I strenuously object. Is that how it works? I'll see you in my chambers. <laughs> when it's really good, it's just chambers now. <laughs> Counselor, I see you've prepared your briefs. <laughs> um, and if I was John Larroquette, I'd say, let's leave my briefs out of this. <laughs> How about John Larroquette's character on Night Court? Oh, you can't do you can't do that anymore, right? Dan Fielding, no. Or is or is I never watch How I Met Your Mother, but is Barney sort of that? No, not like this guy was. I mean, he was like he was like filthy. He was a dirty Lothario yeah. back in the day. Right. In there was suit. something, I think, lascivious about him that wasn't about the Neil, voice. Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, and also he's like 48 at the time. You're right. He was a little older. Yeah, and like Neil Patrick Harris is at least around the age of the girls he's with. <laughs> John Larroquette's like their father. He was lecherous. He was lecherous. I said, oh boy, we've used a lot of big words in the last few minutes. <laughs> Regarding Night Court. I love that show. Love that show. Very underrated. Tremendously so. Very underrated. You know what I heard recently, Brian, that I loved? It was, who was on WTF? Oh, The Amazing Jonathan. Oh, God. Do you remember The Amazing Jonathan? <laughs> of course I do. Wow. Unbelievable WTF with Marin. He must have stories, that guy. First of all, he's a gazillionaire. Because he, he set himself up in Vegas like... You know, he started making like three, four million dollars a year in Vegas and did that for like 19 years. Wow. He built his own planetarium in Vegas. He built a drive-in movie theater for himself that's domed with a planetarium. That's something. I mean, he's, but he's also, he's dying. Oh, that is, he, he no. Has, well, no, he has some sort of heart. He's a huge, like, coke and just like, he lived a crazy, crazy life and never yeah. really stopped. 
but ne- was never sort of like an addict or whatever. And he has like a heart arrhythmia of some sort or some sort of heart problem, congenital heart disease or something like that, where like they've given him like a year to live like five times. Wow. So he just like keeps partying. He's like, well, I, what am I going to do? And stop now. But anyway, he was talking about living, right. But he was talking about being in San and amazing as far as like he hangs out with Copperfield and what's his name, Chris Angel and stuff like that. But they yeah. hate each other and he's talking <laughs> about all that. Right, he's talking about all the pranks that uh, uh, that he built like into he bu- he loves to build uh, haunted houses and like fun houses and like design them and build them like these huge, massive haunted houses. Uh-huh. And he built one into Copperfield's. Bath. He built something in like Copperfield's bathroom, like with this, like doll that falls off a thing. Yeah, like it's just a total prank or whatever. But he was talking about being in San Francisco around that time with A. Whitney Brown. Oh, you remember A. Whitney Brown from Saturday Night yeah. Live? Right. So there's all those comedians at that time. There's A. Whitney Brown. There's Paula Poundstone. Like all these San Francisco comedians. Robin Williams. Yeah, they must be doing so much drugs. Oh, so just ridiculous amounts of blow. Oh. And, and, you know, Robin Williams is a street performer. Amazing Jonathan's a street performer. A. Whitney Brown has a dog act from the... I mean, it's just... It was, the stories were amazing. Yeah. And he's talking about... Um, he's talking about Harry Anderson. And Harry Anderson was like a, like a con man. Mm-hmm. Like a, like a three-card Monty... Sleight of hand, street magician, con man, who would do occasional stand-up, right? And that was part of his act. And 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 I, it got me to think, like, and he landed night court. <laughs> like he was he was on like the number four show in the country for like eight years. Yep, eight years. Then syndication stuff. Like Harry Anderson never had to work again. He he didn't and they really. and they based the show like it was his show he somehow got a sitcom written for him like i try to think of anything that he did after night court I, nothing comes to mind nothing right nothing that's funny yeah it was i was i was uh cracking up thinking about that like some some nbc executive had the idea to build a show around harry anderson who was a street performer and it turned out to be a, a huge with john larroquette Dan Fielding. Um, where was I? Uh, I was interrupting you because you were getting very defensive. Oh, about Sandy Alderson. Yeah, I was about to go down a different road. Please finish. The road that I was going down is... Objection! Because, because you are in his camp, and you're excited about this number four... <laughs> camp Sandy Alderson. Camp Sandy Alderson. <laughs> the most boring, lame, <laughs> staid camp. A lot of reading. Yeah, going on there it's, we don't have like arts and crafts you don't like make lanyards and stuff you do no, you have microsoft excel uh, right you do spreadsheets classes right. today uh instead of uh making s'mores we're going to discuss exit velocity and so how to build sweater vests how to build a team based on bobip and f war so get out your uh get out your ipads go ahead over in bunk B, we're going to talk about how to say a lot without saying anything at all. The art of diversion. <laughs> <laughs> That's after backgammon. Paul D. Podesta is going to be doing a talk later this afternoon on drafting below slot. 
that's going to be that's going to be really exciting. I know there's a couple of guys from the Houston Astros here that are uh, going to take a look at that one. Camp Sandy Alderson. Camp Sandy Alderson. <laughs> there's no color wars or anything like that at Camp no, Sandy. No, it's all just beige and yeah. gray. That's right. Those are the colors. It's the beige team and the gray team. <laughs> and you guys are going to have a math Olympics. <laughs> Can't we have like a like a potato sack race or something? No, 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 no. That's not practical at all. <laughs> Somebody could tear at MCL or something like that. I, I can't, can't have that. You have to understand that it's a structured process. <laughs> the camp, the camp is a structured process. You can't. We can't have people on tires and potato sacks. Look, we believe that uh, if the counselors are performing to the summers that they've had in the past, that the now have the counselors performed up to. Uh, past performances of summers? No, they haven't. Uh, that doesn't mean you throw out the whole camp. Um, you know, you uh, <laughs> you have camp counselors that are that are underperforming a bit right now. But uh, as you can see on some of these graphs and charts, uh, their <laughs> their bunk ratios are really good, and uh, we feel that <laughs> we feel that uh, you know their prank ratio will go up. A little bit. Their camp prank ratio. We'd like to see that uh, improved. They're, not, they're, not too much. We want to, we want them to remain responsible. Their CPR plus camp prank ratio plus. Uh, anyway, yes, I'm in the Alderson camp. Go on. Right. So you so you would have to believe that because their system is ranked number four in all of baseball, that that's the way to get things to change is to infuse the big club with all of this talent from down below. 2016. Here we come. Right. No, I, I don't actually believe that. I want to see him make changes. at the. I feel like he's failed at the major league level still. Okay. I think he's done an excellent job, and I know you credit it all to Dee Podesta. I give uh, a, a lot of credit to Dee Podesta. I think at the end of the day, Sandy Alderson likes the draft a heck of a lot more than he likes free agency. And I would say his hand is in that a heck of a lot more. Plus, he's made a number of really good trades to strengthen that, that minor league system. So I, I and, and it was something he set out to do. Look, he set out to do two things, right? He set out to bloodlet the team because the owners are broke. And so he had to completely bloodlet the $150 million payroll down to the $82 million that it is now. And he had to oversee this unbelievable bloodletting at the expense of any dignity that the Major League Club has. That, that was A. <laughs> and then B was to rebuild the farm system that Omar Minaya had left less than barren, had left as Tatooine. Right. That's this, and so he's achieved one out of two. All right. So, all right, the Yankees, and then yeah. the bluster. Okay, one thing I just want to say about the Yankees, I sort of alluded to it about the Chase Headley deal. Mm-hmm. This is where Cashman, huge payroll, not huge payroll, Bry, I don't care. A move needs to be made, he goes and makes a move. I don't care. I don't care if he has money to cover his mistakes. He, of course he does. They need somebody, they go get somebody. It's nice. Yep. It would be nice to operate that way. What would you like the Mets to do right now? 
I want to see them. Look, we we've said it, right? They need to make the eighty-three Hernandez trade. Okay, tell me what that is. It's not a trade. It's you. You're not Frank Cashin. May he rest in peace. Was not a seller. You have to say that, by the way. I'm, I'm well, yes. Yeah. Sure. Was not a seller or a buyer at the deadline. He saw an uh, he sore sore. Wow. Oof. We're from New York. He saw an opportunity to get a veteran all-star player whose value was diminished because he might have had a little bit of a problem. Mm -hmm. And so he traded young players to get him because he realized you can't just have young players. So what I would like to see Sandy Alderson do, oh, Sandy, coming to this deadline. Sorry, I almost forgot when we address him. Yes. Vinny Barberino. Um, is to look for an opportunity like that. Is okay. to look for an opportunity to, to, even if they're 10 games under 500, make your club better for next year, not for five years from now, not for three years from now. Frank Cashin, when he traded for Keith Hernandez, made his club better immediately and then for next year. That's what I want to see Sandy Allison do. I don't know who that guy is, but if that opportunity presents itself at the trade deadline, you know, enough. Do it. Mm-hmm. Trade some of the young pitching. You know what else I'd like to see him do, Cal? I'd like to see him trade Daniel Murphy for a young pitcher and add to that, that, that arms stockpile that he has. Because that allows you to trade one of the other young pitchers. Because Daniel Murphy's not going to be here in two years. From all accounts, Dilson Herrera looks like your future at second base. And if he's not, Wilmer Flores might be. 22-game hitting streak. I don't care if it's on the moon. I don't care what the atmosphere is. He's got a 22-game hitting streak. So I would like to see him trade Daniel Murphy for a young pitcher. A prospect pitcher. And then go, go find me Mike Keith Hernandez. Now. Enough. I don't want to make the team better in 2017. What if he's not out there? He is. Okay. I'm a romantic. You sure are. You, you don't think it's somebody like... There's, there, even Troy Tulowitzki is somebody like that. He, yeah, but I, I, I don't want Troy Tulowitzki. Okay. Yeah. You would be tremendously upset if they traded for Troy Tulowitzki. No, I'm not going to be upset, but I just, I fear that he's not the you right guy. You fear the bust factor. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, anybody, look, if, if, we had, if this whole thing had been around in 1983 and they went and got Keith Hernandez and then Gary Carter, I would have feared the bust factor with them, too. Not with Carter. Yes, I would have. No way. Absolutely. That, well, was, you know, that was the biggest no-brainer. Tra- I remember we talked the day it happened. That was the biggest no-brainer trade. We were in sixth grade. That was the biggest no-brainer trade in the history of all time. Younger than that. We were in fifth grade. Yeah. It was 85. It was December 84. Right. So we were in... It was fifth grade, yeah. It was fifth grade, yeah. December of 84. I remember, I remember Danny Ives getting the number eight jersey immediately. Well, it was, ex- it was very exciting. And... Also, I shouldn't say that because I don't have now 30 years of, of disappointment. That's, uh, that's the other thing. Right. Piled on top. Yeah. 
and just, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. So sure. Troy, Troy Tulowitzki, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be upset if but they he's ever a guy, got but him. But he's a guy like that right now. He's he's a discon, he's discontented where he is. He's an all-star at the top of his game. He's a he feels a position of need that you don't have in the minor leagues on the come. It's 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 an he's the kind of guy I'm talking. And you're going to have to give up you know a Rick Ownby and a Neil Allen to get him. Yeah, they're going to have to give up more than that. Yeah. Well, at the time that was a lot. No, it was never a lot. The great story is Cashin. <laughs> Cashin, when when he offered that, and they were like, "Yeah, we'll take it." He was like, "Quick, draw up the papers!" <laughs> like before they changed their mind. <laughs> I think Hernandez was telling the story. So the other thing on the Yankees is, um, I don't know if we've said this enough in the four and a half years we've been doing this program. Joe Girardi's a really good manager. I'm sorry, I flipped on him. I think he's better than people give him credit yeah, for. Yeah, I mean, this is not a good team. <laughs> They're not a good team. No. They're flawed. They're extremely flawed. Did you see that lineup they had out the other night? That was like a 2009 Mets lineup Yeah. after the injuries. <laughs> that, that is not a good team. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they're a 500 team at best. The fact that he's going to have them in a pennant race with losing four-fifths of his rotation, it's, he's good. I'll give Joe Girardi nearly the credit. I don't think they're, they're going to be able to hang around, but he's good. He is good. Will they go get Cliff Lee? Probably, because that's what they do. Well, he's got a no-trade clause, but... Yeah. I don't think they... See, so many of the guys that are bandied about, though, Cliff, Cliff Lee is a guy that I think they could get, because he's just money. Right? You're not going to have to give up a ton in prospects to get him. They don't have prospects to get Troy Tulowitzki. They don't. They don't. Oh, they don't. They, they do. Who? They wanted to. They could trade Batances. Keep going. They could trade um, Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez, <laughs> of course. Um, they don't. They're gonna trade the second baseman there, Ref Snyder or whatever his name is. I don't know. I mean, they don't. Probably have to trade Gardner. They'd have to trade Gardner. At least they just don't. They don't. Their minor league system is not good. I don't know. I'm just tired of hearing people. Oh, you think we can get Troy Tulowitzki? Well, we'll have to start with Batanzas. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, it's more. It'd be more than that. Yeah, a lot more than that. So I don't know, but the, uh, Joe Girardi is impressive to me, Cal. He is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jets bluster, Blustergate. Did, did this fly under the radar for you, too? What? Like, this was, like, news to me today when I saw Brian Costello's tweet. I was like, when I saw Costello's tweet, Cal, I was like, wait, what, Rex said something? Well, I don't follow him, first of all, so. I, I still follow Costello. He doesn't yeah, so I, don't, so, I didn't, so I didn't see anything. But, I but did, it, I, was, it was around. Uh, yeah, well, today, I didn't see today's. I saw yesterday's when the big headline that blared was, Rex, we're not afraid of the Patriots. Yeah. And that was like six words in an entire interview <laughs> that had nothing to do with that, those six words. I know. And they crafted that as, you know, let's get everybody all worked up. But like, I, I guess David Nelson was on FAN and said, you know, we should be, you know, I think we're a playoff team. And Demario Davis saying, what's, I, none of it's bothering me. 
Because why? So what? If yeah, that's what they I, say. exactly. Not so to mention, I, I feel kind of good about this team. I think they should. Uh, you know, when you look at this team, the way it was built, they should be a playoff team. I think. I think. I mean, if they get, if they get reasonable quarterback play, again, they should be a playoff team. They should be a playoff team. And now the quarterback, who's going to be their quarterback? Because there's a huge competition here. Yeah, except there's not though. Huge. There's, there's, not, and you know what? I have to give. I don't have to do anything. I feel like giving the NFL Network a skosh of credit. I can't remember who it was. That's not enough. Yeah. That's too much? No, that's not enough. A enough, enough credit? That's like... Yeah, that's all I'm giving them. Scant. Yeah, that's all I'm giving them. I I'm not going to... I think it's a little bit more than that. Nope. I was watching a show the other day, and they, you know, they were doing the quarterback controversies around the league. I refuse, by the way. I'm very stingy. With the credit. <laughs> Do you notice that? As yeah. if as if it cost me anything. Bitch. <laughs> like, a dash. A, a dash of credit. A, uh, I like skosh. Why can't I use skosh? We'll go with it. I it, sounds like, it sounds like something Polly Shore. <laughs> Yo, bag of skosh. Nugans. Or maybe I went uh, Jay and Silent Bob there, I feel like. <laughs> How about that movie's like 30 years old or 20, was oh, it 25 man. years old, that movie? Jay and Silent Bob? Clerks. Uh, Clerks, yeah. Oh, 25. 20. 20? Probably 20. 94. Yeah. Gosh, that's, it's a, that's a good movie. I remember I, when I first saw it and it seemed like... Is it? I wa- yes, it is. is. It? And I'll tell you why. Hmm. I'll tell you why I feel that way. It's first of all, it's funny because they're not actors, and so they're they're basically having conversations that we've all had, the way we would sort of have them badly, <laughs> like with the camera on, having the conversation about Star Wars and the the Death Star, all those independent contractors, what did they ever do, you know, uh, badly, <laughs> and him working in the video store with the, I mean, there's there's a lot of great lines. Yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of very quotable lines. But more importantly, I watched it with Dan the first time I ever saw it. Me and Antonello rented it. It seemed like we could go make a movie. Right, That's because it was, story it was so low budget. And it was. looked like it was on a camcorder. It's unbelievable. It remains. And this might be a, also growing up in the Northeast thing, too, for us specifically. It remains unbelievably accessible. Yes. I, t- I can tap into those guys and listen to those guys be idiots immediately. Well, what's gr- and what's great about it for us is they are like our age. Yeah. So back then... They were our age at the time. Yep. That's what we were. Right. And I'm not saying... Peach, I'm not saying... Please, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying it's a great film. I'm saying it's a great movie. You know what I mean? It's not... <laughs> it's a Ben-Hur. Yeah, it's not... <laughs> Oh it's her. Isn't that the one that's always a citizen, citizen Kane? You could that was what I was thinking Kane. of. You and Ben Hur. <laughs> I, mean, I got the wrong one. I mean, look, it's not it happened one night, okay? He's no he's 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 no <laughs> dead Colbert. Wait, was that her name? <laughs> it's no Greece. It's no Greece. <laughs> 
tell you that much. It's no Heaven's Gate. Um, it's no Heaven Can Wait either. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, the bluster. Yeah. yeah, I, I, none of it's bothering me. No, and and you, and you, you, when you say under the radar, it's funny because he was the only guy that was like trying to stir it up. Even your usual suspects are still sleeping for the summer. Yeah, I mean, Semini will wake up. You know, camp starts this week. The Jets actually, I think, report on Thursday, right? Yeah, I heard I heard Manish Mehta on the radio the other day. Oh, was, boy. I'm sorry. No. Were you, were you being held hostage? <laughs> I, was, I was tied down with my ears taped open. It was very weird. I envision, you, I envision you in some sort of, like, game with the girls, like, where you're, like, playing pirates or something, and you're, like, the, you're, like, the captive. Right. And they, some, for some reason, have sports talk radio on in the background, right. and Captain you're like, no, wait, we have to stop the game. Untie daddy. Untie daddy. <laughs> and that's how they tortured me. Right. But, no, my point is he, he, even he was very measured and, and spoke optimistically about the team and was not trying to stir any controversy up. Like, even a, even a guy like him who lives, he's the worst. That's his, that's his life. It is. You know, but, and, but this guy, Costello, comes out, and he's, and he's trying to make something out of nothing, and it really is nothing, and nobody fell for it. Yeah, Jets are, his headline, Jets are lining up to tell people they're a playoff team. Well, right. they're asked about it on, in interviews, just like, like every other player is. He makes it sound like there's a stand-up microphone, and there's a line <laughs> of players... They all walk up to it. We're a playoff team. Like they, they do the, like right, like they do their way in at training camp, and then they also have to walk up to a mic and say they're they're a playoff. I believe we're a playoff team. Next, Wilkerson, and they all just one by one. Next, Harris. Stupid. I believe we're a playoff team. Not convincing. Say it again. It's just it's you know and and. Uh, Somebody wrote a uh, blustery Rex is a better Rex, and that's what they need. They need, you know, Kristen Dyer is good. Mm-hmm. You know, now that point I get. See, now that point I like. He does have, Rex Ryan does have a little something to him, Bry, when he's got some swagger. He, he does. does. He does. He doesn't have to come out and guarantee a Super Bowl. Okay, but he... he there's something to him having a little swagger. Look, you could make the argument that I said, look, sorry. You could make the argument that Are you asking me to make this argument? Right, exactly. See, that's just it's dopey. You could make the argument that part of the reason they came out so flat in that game against the Steelers in the AFC Championship game in 11 in 2010-11 was that they had too much respect for the Steelers. And, a wee, and Rex was quiet and throwing bouquets all over the Steelers and their head coach. And, he was very respectful. And, and, and the week after, it was a complete, you know, a headline, uh, you know, orgy as far as the Jets and the Patriots going back and forth and, you know, Bart Scott and can't wait and Braylon Edwards doing flips on the field and all the disrespecting in the world going on there. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they they had the pay, uh, the Steelers in front of them, and um, and and Mike Tomlin and uh, Tomlin Timlin Tomlin Mike Tomlin, thank you. 
uh, and Mike Tomlin, who Rex unfortunately respects way too much. And so you can argue that swagger for Rex is not a bad thing. It's and not, but it always makes me cringe. It it does, but was was what he said cringeworthy? No, 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 not now. No, my, okay. my point. My okay. point is he hasn't yet. Then right, he's he's let him say what he's going to say. He will eventually say something that I'm going to be like, ah, God, I wish he didn't say that. You know, okay. but but it's five years. I've I've accepted him for for what he is. <laughs> Very nice of you. He's not going to. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm nothing if not open-minded. Uh, speaking of open-minded, yes. and and not being so, yes. Um, one thing on the Tony Dungy thing that I that I have to say, don't don't go on. No, I I, I know it's been talked uh, about to to death, but it, this is why we have the show. I'd like to talk to you uh, both about these things. I'm I'm just I'm just fooling around. I know you have something to say. No, oh. it was, no, just the, the I, I thought Oberman did a really good job with it last night. Again, I I, I read, I didn't watch it, but I read what what he said. And, and his his deal. thesis was basic, and that was if you have a problem, if Tony Dungy has a problem, um, as a coach with what would come along with Michael Sam as a player, and the locker room, and what would happen in the locker room, what might happen in the locker room, uh, why didn't he have the same problem with Michael Vick? as a player and what would happen in the locker room and et cetera. And I thought that was spot on. You know, he basically was just trying, it basically called him out on hypocrisy. It wasn't that Tony Dungy's not allowed to feel the way he feels. He's of course he is. Didn't he also kind of allude to the fact that Tony Dungy just admitted he wouldn't be a good coach. That was, that was his point, which I thought was great. That was kind of like the punchline. Yeah. His point was Oberman was the only one who made this point too, which right. was, by saying this, Tony, Jun- Tony Dungy is basically saying, I'm not a good enough coach to control my locker room right? and to stay on top of things not happening and not going wrong and not going smoothly. Like, I, I don't think I can control my locker room enough to have this happen in my locker room. And basically, Overman said, well, I guess you're not that good of a coach. Right. Which I thought was the whole point. That's that's all I wanted to say. And, and you know, Boomer and Carton were talking about it this morning, and I gotta say, they had a very interesting discussion about it. And Carton's Carton's opinion, and Boomer once again, you know, resorted to is, well, it's the locker room, and he's right. You know, things are not necessarily going to go smoothly, and that's all Tony Dungy's trying to say. You know, kind of sounds a lot like when they integrated a locker room for, you know, African Americans, but that's okay. Um, and Carton was saying, yeah, but you can't say that and have said what you said about Michael Vick. You can't, you can't be okay with what's going to happen in a locker room and what's going to happen in... I mean, it's the next con. Well, Convicted of an awful, awful crime. Here's the thing, though. He can say that. He can say whatever he wants. He's just going to look like a hypocrite. Wait, wait that, that's, that's... Carton's point was, was just that, Bri. That, that you, you, you come off as hypocritical and disingenuous mm-hmm. if you're okay with one... Right. which is the biggest media fiasco ever. Like, what's a bigger media fiasco than Michael Vick getting out of jail for killing dogs and going to the Philadelphia Eagles, and you're fine with that and the media circus that that's going to create and what that's going to create in your locker room, but you're not okay with this? And you couldn't handle this and you don't want this? It's hypocritical, but I thought Oberman nailed it. Right, but, but like, we can, we can 
criticize Tony Dungy all we want and disagree with him, and, and it's fine. He's entitled to his opinion, and yeah, it's I'm fine. Not, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even being critical of Tony Dungy. I'm, I'm saying what he said to me. Forget about the the right, right or wrong. It's the hypocrisy of it. It's the it's it's not only is it the hypocrisy of it. I think Overman called it out properly and said, "You just admitted you're a lousy coach." Right. You can't handle your locker room. You know, this, these same people that said the same things about you when you became a head coach, being an African American, which they didn't see fit to do until Art Shell was named one in 1989. And it's going to cause problems in locker rooms, and it's not going to go smoothly. And, and Dungy said back at the draft, it's a meritocracy. If the kid can play, he can play. Right. He should be welcome. Now all of a sudden, oh, no, he can't play on my team. I wouldn't draft him. If everything's going to come with it. Well, apparently you can't run your football team very well. Well, then he backtracked, too, and he was, and he was trying to pass it off as it was more about the talent. Right. Not about the extracurricular. Right. Except, except he said it was about the extracurricular. Except he did, yeah. And so I, I found this today in relation, Brian. I just, I, I don't mean, to, I don't want to get super political here, but, and I'm not going to. But you might have caught this. No, I'm not. I'm not. I won't allow it. I didn't. I didn't know this. I want to see if you did. David Tyree was named the head of Giants player development. He head, was. Of, head of player development for the New York Football Giants. Replaced uh, Charles Way. Right. Do you know what the head of player development does? The head of player development? Yeah. Um, I have an idea of what they I don't know specifically. Give me, what, the, give me what's your idea? The head of player development? He's, he, um, he's, not really, he's not drafting players. No. He's, he's kind of working with the players that they have in the organization. Yep. Um, it's not even a really a football role, right? A yep. Player development. Yep. It has nothing to do with the skills on the on the field. Nope. Player engagement has become extremely important in any franchise. Giants coach Tom Coughlin said it is the working relationship with the players to aid them in their continuing education, their development as young men the opportunities in the business world and in networking in the city that they happen to be playing in. It is there to in help them instruct them and make them aware of the issues and the problems that exist out in the community and the world and try to keep them focused on their job and not fall into trouble. David okay. Tyree, Director of Player Development for the New York Football Giants today. So that's his responsibility with these young men. Right. Now I'd like to take you to an article from uh, June twentieth, two 2011, uh, in Pro Football Talk, uh, entitled, David Tyree would trade his catch, his famous Super Bowl catch, against the Patriots to stop gay marriage. Oh. Tyree continues his crusade against same-sex marriage, telling the New York Daily News that he'd be inclined to trade one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history to prevent men from legally marrying other men. The catch was a gift. It's not like I, I tried to do it. I couldn't do it again, so that was a miracle, Tyree told Kenneth Lovett of the Daily News. There's nothing worth more than maintaining heterosexual marriage right here for me. So would he trade the catch for a block? Honestly, I probably would. 
Nothing means more to me than my than than that my God would be honored. And then he gets into a whole bunch of God stuff. So I'll lay down everything I am to preserve the honor and integrity of the God I serve. Head of player development. Head of player development for the New York football giants. This is also this is also someone I, I did doing a little research might note also had an exorcism performed on him. Boy, I tell you, there's nothing if not classy that organization. Classy team. Right? Yeah, but but Steve did he butt fumble. <laughs> but butt fumble, right? Right. Did, did, come on. But butt fumble. Is, uh, he, is, is he full of buster? There you go. How do you like that? That's it's, well, okay. Yeah. Now look. Hot topic. Again, everybody isn't. He's entitled to his opinion and his religious beliefs, and he doesn't have to think that gay marriage is right by any means. He clearly doesn't. <laughs> he does not. It's pretty. This is the, this is the guy the Giants have put who had an exorcism performed on him. Let me reiterate, who the Giants have put in charge of being a liaison to their young players about community issues. Boy, so a 22-year-old kid who knows nothing about anything <laughs> right. in the world. That's right. They're going to sit him in a room with David Tyree. All he bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. He, he, he pulled out the um, uh, gay marriage uh, could lead to anarchy. Mm-hmm. Anarchy. It's the first mm-hmm. step. Right. Straight. That's where it's going straight. Let's go straight there. Straight to the monkey. He's going straight to the monkey, Carlos Beltran style. And, of course, polygamy and heaven knows what else people will want to marry. All right. There you go. Once again, David Tyree, head of player development, New York Football Giants. <laughs> now look, again, let me, let me reiterate. He has every right in the world to believe what he wants to believe and, and have his beliefs and expound on them and to not like gay marriage one bit. And do everything in his power to stop it. Absolutely. Use his platform as making that catch off his helmet. They should have been holding called and in the grasp anyway. He has every right to do that. Absolutely, I will support that 100%. To the hilt. To the, to the nth degree. However, <laughs> I'm not sure... If I was the New York football giants, this is the guy I would put in charge of developing the young men on my football team. Unless, of course, that's what the giants believe, too. Listen. Which is fine. This is a no politics zone. Yep. No spin zone. We're not... We don't talk about those kind of those kind of hot topics and issues on this program. We, I'm sorry. I, I really I know I took. We've only gone in this direction in 184 shows a couple of times. And again, I'm not. There's no advocacy here at all. I'm not. Everybody knows how I feel. Anybody who knows me knows how I feel. 
Yes, I think I think you've made your feelings. We, and we did a Michael Sam episode uh, uh, about it, and I thought it was a very good one with Jay Linder. It was a great episode. PJ, uh, Jay, it was two hours of uh, talking of bon about, vivant of, of, of a bon vivant off, but talking about tolerance and acceptance, and we did it. We did it. That's not what this is about. That was the, that was the night for you know whatever you advocate. Advocate. I'm just saying. I saw that and I said, "Wow, I didn't know it." One of the jet, you know, one of the jet guys from Turn on the Jets, Matt Donnelly. Uh, Matt Donnelly, Mike Donnelly. Mike Donnelly. Yeah, I knew a Matt Donnelly in college. That's why. Um, had tweeted it out, <laughs> and he's always like, he's always sort of all over the Giants, like almost too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he tweeted it out. He's like, "Classy Giants." <laughs> it's, that's their new director. Anyway, all right. Uh, let's move to the fun load, shall we? Do we have time for a fun load? I'm ecsta- yeah, of course we do. I'm ecstatic about football, by the way. Very excited about football. Yeah, me too, especially in light of what's going on with the, with the baseball. Right. And now football is, is literally around the corner. Literally. It's, uh, it's right there. It's around the corner. Make a left. Yeah. Uh, you're going to see a Hess station on your right. Right. And then there's a Chuck E. Cheese on your left with a questionable ball pit. But right next to that... Right next to that... Football. Football. You'll see football. And then a target. If you hit target, you've gone too far. You've gone too far. Back up. Back up. Did you ever give directions? PJ had to have. Have you ever given directions that way? I feel like PJ before GPS was like a master direction giver. I feel like you must hate TomTom, PJ. Or does anybody use TomTom anymore? Is that still a thing? No? No, I think it's all... The Garmin, the TomTom, the Magellan. Or as my Uncle Tom used to call it, the Garmin. All right? He called it the Garvin for the longest time. Yeah, I got a Garvin. Yeah, I'm sorry, I got a what? A Garvin? Fred Garvin. Like a Willard? <laughs> like a Willard? That's right. I got no five. I'm ruined. I'm ruined. That's exactly what it was. It was like a Willard. Do you remember that on Seinfeld, Cal? The pocket. Hey, look, it's a pocket calculator. It does more than that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tip calculator. It does more than that. The Willard. Right, he had a garden. <laughs> this one this one doesn't I'm, yes, I'm excellent this one doesn't direction three, giver. Oh, this fuck. one doesn't have three states. It's a garden. <laughs> were your directions clear? They were landmark uh written. Okay. You, you were a landmark guy. I could totally see that. I was a landmark guy. See, I I have a problem when people used to give directions and base it in distances. So in other words, go about a half a mile down the road and make a left. I I don't know <laughs> now how I to calculate that. The odometer? <laughs> but don't you... And by the way, you don't know what a half mile is. What right, are you, you doing yeah. telling me to go a half mile? Right. It's like five miles. <laughs> but did you guys ever notice the difference between, in different parts of the country, they will give you directions in different measures? Like people will give you directions that way? No, no. So you, you'll get, in some parts of the country, you'll get mileage. In other parts of the country, you'll get time. Out of, from what? So in other words, okay, so you're going to go uh, on to you know, Jones Road, and you're going to be on that for about 10 minutes. 
Who, someone's going to tell you, like, if you're asking somebody for directions. You go to the Midwest. That's how you get directions. This is, okay, no, I didn't, I didn't know if you meant by, like, a, like a map quest. No, no, thing. no, 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 like, people, before, again, pre-GPS. Right. Pre-GPS. <laughs> Pre-GPS. Pre-GPS. On the, on the precipice of... On the precipice of Pre-GPS. No, they, and where here you would say you go about five miles or whatever, it's about three miles down the road, you're going to hit a light. There it was. So you're going to be on that for about 20 minutes. Right. And I, that blew me away. Like the first time I was in Ohio and I asked for directions like to the airport, they were like, oh, and then you're going to be on like five, or not even like, they said, you're going to be on 534 for about 15 minutes. And I'm like, I don't, I don't. Do you have a conversion chart? How many miles is that? <laughs> I don't, I, I can't time this. How do you know if I drive as fast what as you? If, what, if I, what if I'm doing 65 instead of 62? How have you? You know how you're getting instructions you? for me, directions for me. I think Steve, you might remember this. You know, you know how you always know that they, these are PJ directions. How? They always come buttoned with the landmark. If you see it, you've gone too far. <laughs> you, you're no matter you're the, where I'm sending you, I'm like, and if you get to the Seven Eleven, you've gone too far. <laughs> Turn around, <laughs> go back. Which, which in New Jersey is a useless, useless. Right. Yeah, no, no use 7-Eleven. Well, no, not only that. It's, you can't turn around. Oh, right. Well, yeah. Oh. You've got a jug handle. You've got to jug handle it and rotary. Oh, useless in New Jersey. If I've gone too far, I'm going home. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> or just go straight to AC. That's it. You're going to Pennsylvania. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought you were coming over. Look, I missed it. I've gone too far. It's too late. That's <laughs> the I'm at the water I gap. I saw the 7-Eleven. Sorry. That's it. That's it. I saw the 7-Eleven, and I'm at the water gap. That's it. I'm sorry. Next up, Florida. I can't turn around. This, I won't be able to turn around until I hit the Atlantic Ocean in the panhandle. That'll be the next time I can turn around. <laughs> when are you getting here? <laughs> I'm in Baltimore. I'm in Baltimore. I'm not, I'm not going to And I still cannot turn around. <laughs> Maybe New Jersey back. definitely overuses the jug handle. Yes. I will give you that. It's, it's a terrible job by New Jersey. Um, New Jersey. Or if you go to certain towns where they haven't gotten rid of the traffic circles yet, they just go there to die. <laughs> That's it. Big Ben, Parliament. That's yeah. the equivalent of a, uh, of, a, of a rotating door in a hotel lobby. <laughs> yes. You just go around and around, and you can't get out. And you're Macaulay Culkin oh. at Home Alone, too, in it, at the <laughs> plaza. And you just keep going. Just running around and around. I've been trapped on traffic circles here. Can't get out. Dad, you have to take me to camp. I can't get out. I can't get the lane. We're going around again. Big Ben, Parliament. Look, kids. Big Ben, Parliament. Can't get left, honey. Just can't get left. <laughs> um, Peach, did you have a fun load in mind? I thought we were going to talk about what are we watching. We are going to talk about what we're watching. I don't. I don't what want. Are we Cal, I don't want Cal to be left out of the leftovers. No, so I'd like. Why to isn't Cal watching enough TV? First of all, let's go HBO. there. He still doesn't have HBO. He doesn't have an illegal box. He doesn't have HBO. I don't have the HBO. Know what they got in the Costco? <laughs> you need to stop saying the in HBO. In the Costco, they have they the Blu-ray collections of Game of Thrones and True Detective. Right. They got that on on iTunes too. For sale. So what are you doing with yourself, Cal? 
Next. <laughs> Next uh, question. No TV going on? No, I'm... Uh, actually, no. I'm not really watching a lot of TV these days. This is why the... Le- Did you uh, try Fargo? Who, me? <laughs> yes, you, Brian. That's on... That's on a... No, not the... Uh, you were watching The Americans, right? I watched The Americans. Did that come back for season two? It's over, yeah. How was season two? Better than season one. Really? Can't wait for season three. How about that? Oh, no, you know what I'm in? Uh, I right now I've been watching Louis, catching up on Louis. Okay. A lot, I, a lot of stuff from the year, from the, from the, from the season proper, the September to May television season, I see. the traditional season that I never watched. I'm kind of catching up now. Okay. So. I, I, I know you're not watching a lot of Met games, so something is being watched in that time. Lot of lot of uh, lot of Nickelodeon and, and Disney going on here. I see for sure. You're not master of your domain when it comes to the. No, so it's it's here's this is the depth chart of television watching in my home. <laughs> uh, Disney slash Nickelodeon, depending on the day, it's either one or the other. And, right, it's exclu- and it's exclusive one or the other. It's like Tuesday morning, if Disney goes on, it's Disney all day. doesn't change. And now is that happenstance? Do they just uh, do they flip on Disney and they stay with Disney? Just works out that way. Whatever show they're watching, okay. it, usually, it, it generally turns into a marathon of that show because they've season passed every show on both networks. Great. Yeah. And you don't have HBO? I don't have the HBO. So then that's, that's like at the top of the depth chart. After that, Geno com- Smith. Is what? Geno Smith. It's not Geno Smith. He's, he's further down. Right. Next on the depth chart, if Disney or Nickelodeon is not on the television, then it's Bravo. And right. any, any and number can't... of Real Housewives oh, reality boy. shows. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, man. Could be any of them. Oh, man. Um, after that, I've never watched one of those shows, by the way, never seen an episode. And I feel like I've seen everything. <laughs> You've been all around this great country of ours with, with these women. <laughs> after Bravo, Food Network. Oh, nice. Great. Isn't that That's not terrible. Food Network is on quite often in our house. It's a go-to. Yeah. It's not the worst thing in the world. After Food Network. HGTV. Big, Big Brother. Oh, Man, right. We need to get some episodic up in here. Yeah, no, nothing like that. PJ objects. Watch yourself, counselor. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you again. PJ Chambers, Mr. Cachopo. Chambers. Uh, you, are you, you a object- Netflix subscriber? Yes, I am a Netflix Netflix subscriber. <laughs> You're a bit. I'm a fatter flipper. It's easy for you to say. Flippity flu. In my day. No oh, orange is the new black. No House of Cards. I watch a little House of Cards. Oh, did you? A couple <laughs> of cards. Much past the first episode. <laughs> so you didn't make it to season two, episode two, or no? No. no. I stopped the two. Do episode one. Why would anybody watch that? Like this show stinks. <laughs> and I threw I threw my iPod out the window. 
Do you do you like oranges to do black uh, peach? It's 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 my next one. I'm, I'm getting they, ready to do it. Okay. It canceled? It, isn't it canceled? Wasn't there something about the president of Netflix say was that or is that a? Oh, host? I have no. There is no president of Netflix. <laughs> I am President Netflix. It's an autonomous collective. No, no, that's his name. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not an actor in a suit with a flag behind him. <laughs> President Netflix. People of Netflix. It has recently come to my attention. <laughs> Can we make it Morgan Freeman, please? People of Netflix. Actually, actually named after Jebediah Netflix. Jebediah. <laughs> Founder and CEO. Jebediah Netflix. Of the Charlestown Netflix. Of the Charlestown Netflixies. Netflixies, right. He changed the pronunciation. The Netflix ah. Um, did you, uh, so Pete, you are watching The Leftovers, right? I am watching The Leftovers. And, are you up to date? Uh, this is, no, I haven't seen episode four. Episode four is in Neither two. have I. Okay, so we're in the same spot. Yeah. Spoiler alert, this by the way. This is a fascinating if show. If you're... <laughs> not, don't pull your headphones out, Cal. It's, a, I, it's uh, a fascinating show, and it's not what I expected. Is it? What? <laughs> is, is it fascinating? I, this is the kind of show where, Cal, literally, Maybe Teresa and I... it's fascinating because it wasn't what I expected. Teresa and I sat and watched the pilot and looked at each other and said, I, <laughs> why don't you tell me what to act? Because I don't know what to act. Right now. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Don't know what to make of it. Yeah. We didn't like it. We didn't hate it. I don't, I don't know. Yes. Did you watch Lost? I watched the... That's a great question. Obviously, somebody's been doing their homework. Thanks. Well, not watching the shows. No. Well, I do show prep, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Top-notch show prep, Cal. I'm not you know, a rookie. You know that plant behind the I water not. cooler? Cal is behind that plant, listening and taking notes. <laughs> I've got one of those small little notebooks, and it's kind of <laughs> seriously. Why is he wearing an overcoat? <laughs> it's like a like hundred degrees see him, right? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm to understand that there's a similar feel to this show. Well, it's the same showrunner. Oh, okay. I didn't do that much homework. <laughs> I did not get that far at the water cooler. It's the same showrunner as Lost, or or I should say the creator of Lost, right, is the showrunner for this show. That's uh, Damon Lindelof? Yes. So he, I watched the pilot for Lost, which I loved. Mm -hmm. I watched like the second episode, which I liked, and then I just fell out of it. It wasn't like I disliked it. It was just a time thing. Right. I stopped watching it. Hard to jump back in. Right. At that point. And then it became too late. But I, I, Peach, I don't, and Cal, I don't know what, the, this is one of those shows, Brian, where you literally, and maybe PJ can confirm this too, like I'm sitting there and I don't know what to make of it. I have no idea what to make of the show. I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I dislike it. I'm definitely in despair after watching it. There's no joy. Huge despair. Yes. There's no joy. Like I've never Huge. watched a show with less joy. It was hard to turn the light off after the show ended. I was like, "Oh, I don't want to go to bed now." Yeah, I'm lonely. No, there's yeah, there's 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 uh, clearly my my one year old son is feeling the same way. You can hear him in the background. Yeah. Um, that's the quesadilla. 
Um, he's somebody should really take care of that. <laughs> um, but I I don't know I I really don't know. So we watched the three episodes. The fourth one was on on Sunday night. I don't know if I can go back for four because I had like a I had dreams on Saturday night that kept me up for five and a half hours. That, that was are, because of this one show? It's in some way, shape, or form related to the show. There are definite elements of the show that are... It, Cal, it's a fascinating... You thought it was going to be more sci-fi, Peach? I did. I, for some reason, I thought there were, we were going to get into you know something that, that felt a little bit more uh, X-Files-like. Okay. Perhaps that, perhaps that, you know, like every episode, you know, with a clue. Or you know or something like that, or 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 it was a flashback where you learned something. Um, but but apparently, really he's, just, not, he's not doing that. No, it's 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 like character study and 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 uh, like you said, it's it's people um, being forced to uh, abandon old philosophies and adapt new philosophies, and what the heck are they going to be? Right. All said in this cow. All said in this one small hamlet, which I I take as like a Westchester peach, right? Like a rye or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it feels right. It feels like a right outside the city kind of New York hamlet. Mm-hmm. So it's all in this town, and I guess in the book peach, the the guilty remnant are only there. Like they're not throughout the whole country or whatever. I don't know if they've alluded to them being throughout the whole country, but in the book. This book by Tom Parada, which I haven't read, um, and I can't read now. Um, apparently, the guilty remnant is only in that town, and so it's like the cult is sort of forming there. But the, here's—I was talking to somebody about it today, Peach. Here's what I sort of like, and Cal, this is what's interesting. So, basic premise show opens up on October 14th. I think it's 2011, right, Peach? It's three years from today-ish, right? Right. Three years from wherever the show is set, yeah. Yeah, so, so maybe it's 2013 or whatever. So on October 14th, 2010, 2% of the Earth's population disappeared in one moment. Okay. No, no, 144 million people, no rhyme or reason, gone. Gone. Mm-hmm. And now it's three years later, and they're in the aftermath of that in this one town, and we're seeing all these people's lives and how they were affected by it. So it's sort of like a slice of everywhere with this little town. Yeah. Right? But what's fascinating to me is uh, uh, in, the, in this third episode, Peach, when they started talking about how they have no explanations. Like they have little blurbs like on the TV, like religious leaders don't know what to make of it. Nobody, it's not the rapture. And they're trying to find a common thread to why people were chosen to go. And one of the groups that one of, just happens that the entire cast of Perfect Strangers was taken. It's like a... Like Even that's Bob. The, what? That's, that's like part a, of the show? It's like one attempt at humor. But it, but it speaks more largely like Marklin Baker, <laughs> Bronson Pinchot. Right. It's like two people in a bar and, and the show's on TV and someone says, you know, can you believe that whole everybody cast. from this show went? Yeah. Right. But it, but it speaks to the larger idea that people are trying to figure out a rhyme or reason why 
people were taken. Now they were. Do why those know people? Why those people? Were, why those, those people departed? Okay, so we don't know that they were taken. We don't know where they, they just literally disappeared into thin air. Okay, they were there one minute, gone the next. So the ninety-eight percent are the leftovers. That's correct. Right, and it's and it's them Good trying to just piece. be a huge practical joke. Right, right. Well, I, that's, what a, that's what I, that's what I right. loved about the the interview, right, with the family for the departure benefits, and she's conducting the the five hundred question interview with the family whose son is gone. Yep. And the questions are like, the questions, Cal, they have departure benefits, so people are trying to get departure benefits, and in order to do that. You have to answer like 500 questions on camera and the questions about the person who's departed. And the questions are just bizarre because like you can tell like the government's like, maybe it was a drug ring or something. Like has, right. had your son ever been to right. Brazil? You know, like right. the, the food questions allergies. Are, <laughs> did your son have food allergies? Like they have no idea. So that, that part's interesting, but there's just no joy in the show, man. None. These people are miserable. Miserable. I don't know if I can go back. Maybe you should watch an episode of Glee. <laughs> to cleanse the palate. Even, even the teenage sex party that oh, they give that you was, a window into. That was the most was, disturbing. Was, now, if you don't you, ever. No, you told me about Brutal that. to watch. watch don't ever watch that. Brutal. In the pilot, I don't know what was scarier. The departure of 144 million people at one time. Or the fact that this may be an actual high school party somewhere. Yeah. And that somebody's, you know, 17-year-old daughter is doing this. I, it, was, it, was, it was, I mean, it was, I'm telling you, with two daughters, don't watch it. <laughs> don't watch it. I don't have the HBO, yeah, so that's it not is. an option. There it is. I don't know if I like it, Peach. I don't know. I just don't know. Well, I'm at the point where I could say I don't know. I don't think I love it, but I, I can't stop watching yet. I, I want to see more. I, I want to see do too. this unfold more. Yeah, me too. Darn it! So weak. They don't really make too many <laughs> bad shows on the HBO, so I, I find that no, if you I give do, it I your time, like, I do feel like this one's trying a little hard, though. It's so it was bleak. A, it was it really is. It's really this is it is tough. It's really tough. It's so bleak. Like I I, I could compare it to um like uh No Country for Old Men, which was so stark yeah. and so yeah. bleak, but it, that great was comparison. also funny. Right. In this horrific way, it was funny. Yeah, there's a certain and, nihilism involved in this show that I don't know if like the, like the perfect strangers thing is like trying to be have a moment of levity. Yeah. And it's just it's just like oh great the perfect strangers guys they got them too. Like everything's like so bad you're like they got Bronson Pinchot. What do you mean? <laughs> he was in his prime. And Gary Busey right didn't. And Gary Busey, and Gary right? Busey they, one Shaquille O'Neal like they list off all the celebrities that disappear. <laughs> oh. Um. I have to ask you guys one thing just to wrap up here. So I watched this documentary on Netflix the other day. 
that's just on Netflix. It was made for Netflix. And it's called, I think it was called The Battered Bastards of Baseball. Have you seen this, Cal? No. Peach, heard of it. you would love this too. You know what it's about? So Bing Russell, Kurt Russell's father, who was an actor for years and years and years, was also, now you, you guys know Kurt Russell played minor league baseball. Right, and he has a cousin. And he has a cousin who played for the Mets. That's right. Right. Uh, Matt Franco. So, being Russell, at the same time he was on Bonanza for 13 seasons, he was like a Western guy. Total classic Western guy. Bing Russell, when living in St. Petersburg as a nine-year-old, where the Yankees used to train, became friends with Lefty Gomez. Somehow. Not friends with, but like Lefty Gomez and those Yankees took in this nine-year-old kid. They loved Bing Russell. So he spent from like nine, from like nine to 17 with the Yankees. So he's a huge baseball guy. And Cal, he's, while he's on Bonanza, he's making all these like baseball videos, uh-huh. like training videos and stuff. Like He's a baseball junkie. Their living room was an infield. Like the living room he built in, in Hollywood, in Beverly Hills, is an infield. It was like dirt and Kurt Russell. And they showed a picture of it and like Kurt Russell was taking ground balls in his living room. Oh, wow. Like that's how into baseball he was. Right? They had a batting cage in the backyard. And... So in Portland, Oregon, there was a AAA team, the Portland Beavers, that moves out. And there's no more minor league baseball in Portland. So Bing Russell, and there's no more independent league teams. It's a true story. Yeah. There used to be independent teams. Bing Russell buys his own team called the Portland Mavericks and starts an independent baseball team, Class A, you know, like a Class A baseball team, and he gets affiliated with the Northwest League in Portland. And he has, and he, like, he has like open tryouts. It's insane. And he's nine? No, 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 no. Bing Russell, this is as an adult. This is oh, like 19, he's I'm sorry. Up. This is like 1972-73. Okay, sorry. Right? Kurt Russell's career is just about over, his baseball career, because he's hurt his arm. But he's an actor at this point. Right. So he goes up and helps his dad build this team and it's incredible like he takes like guys off the street like he holds open tryouts and that's how he built the team and he builds this class a team that's playing affiliated major league class a teams and like big stars at the time because the dodgers had their their team you know their class a team there you know all the northwest team the angels they all yeah. had their teams there so he's playing all these big guys in the 70s and they destroyed them all they won like seven championships in a row wow with this ragamuffin ridiculous team that's awesome it is a it's tremendous how did you come across this so on saturday night when i'm having my existential mortality anxiety crisis sure i'm looking for anything to watch <laughs> Well, in bed, because I can't fall asleep. And I watched about nine comedians in cars getting coffee. I got myself caught up in that. that. Yeah, it was great, because it's just turning off my brain. I don't want to see any, you know, the last thing I need to do is, like, go listen to Elliot Smith or watch, like, a Kurt Cobain documentary. (laughs) And I'm just, and so then I was flipping through the documentaries on Netflix, and I love documentaries. I love them. And I saw this made-for-Netflix-only documentary, The Battered Bastards of Baseball. 
And I, it's Kurt Russell. I, you know, I like I like it to Kurt Russell. And it's baseball. And it's baseball. What a great story! Tremendous story. Wow, so great. A lot better than the documentary I watched. No, I sense a Kafka moment. Also on Netflix. I just watched it. Uh, the one on Harry Dean Stanton. Partly fiction. Oh, this is partly fiction. Someone made a 90-minute doc, decided to release a 90-minute documentary um, where the guy wouldn't talk the entire time. <laughs> right. Here's an interview with Harry Dean Stanton. So tell me about your childhood. I don't want to talk about my mother. Or my father. And then he just sits in silence. <laughs> this is not a film. <laughs> what you have here is a collection of somebody taking the fifth about yeah. his entire life. That's what they should have called it. Harry Dean Stanton taking the fifth. I don't want to talk. Parts one and two. Leave me the F alone. Harry Dean Stanton story. <laughs> Oh man, that's I, I. I had heard about that because Marin had the director on, right? Yeah. And then he had Harry yeah, Dean Stanton he, on, right? Because he tried to interview Harry Dean Stanton. Right. He got farther than anybody ever did. Yeah. He had Harry Dean Stanton on for like twenty minutes. I remember that Harry Dean Stanton sounded like he smoked two hundred and fourteen cigarettes during <laughs> the forty-two, the forty-two minutes that Mark Marin was interviewing him. He smokes a little. He sings a little. Um, I can't take anything away from him as, as an actor, but uh, not a great documentary subject. <laughs> what? Cal, do you have a favorite documentary? Um, that's tough. I know. Just to, yeah, just you to put grab it the spot. Yeah, I'm Pete, sure I do. Pete, do you? The making of Willy Wonka. Really? No. That's the thing. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's not. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, that would be good. Would that be good? Uh, behind, last, does, behind the scenes, Gene Wilder. Oh, let's, just, let's just make it up. Let's pretend that it's out there, because I, I think I would enjoy that. I would say, Cal, probably one of my favorites, if it counts as a documentary, is Last Play at Shea. Well, sure. It's kind of a documentary. It's kind of a concert film, but it's kind of a documentary. The, the, the documentary uh, I remember as a kid, though, the one that put me on to documentaries was called The Beatles Complete. Oh, yeah. It was a famous, sure. famous Beatles documentary that I used to know. And, and of course, The Ruddles is based on it. Right. And I, I knew I must have watched The Beatles Complete. Like, I owned it. I had the VHS tape. I must have probably, oh, 50, 60 times. Easy. I loved sure. it. I could not get enough of it. I like I like the darkness for me. Real, uh, the Apocalypse Now one? Yeah, that's crazy. I love that. <laughs> crazy balls. Love it. There's there's <laughs> one... I don't know if it was... It's not French. It was a French filmmaker. or No, the guy was French. A Man on a Wire. Man on a Wire, right. The guy that walked between the Twin Towers. I have a hard time watching that. It's, it's, it's yeah, a little... It's, it hurts. Har- harrowing. It is harrowing. Can't say it. Harrowing. Harrow. It's Richard Harrowing. It's <laughs> but that I, I love that one. Okay, that's excellent. That, that one's great. I love sports ones. I love sports, sports ones. Yeah, I can't get enough of the sports ones. There, there are. 
I, I need more good ones. That's why this is a good one for you to check out. Well, all, the, all of those 30 for 30 ones. I don't, I don't think there was really a bad good. 30 for yep. 30 one. Really good. You know? Some of them are amazing. Some of them are, are like, yeah. That's actually how I found this battered Bastards of Baseball. Uh-huh. Because I was looking at 30 for 30s, and this came up in a You Might Like. Right. Because uh, I was looking at the Steinbrenner one, the Steinbrenner 30 for 30. Great. God bless yeah, the algorithms. Tremendous. The Gretzky one was terrific. I haven't seen the Gretzky one. That was the first one. That was the first one? Yeah, it was unbelievable. I think I've, I've probably only seen like six of them. Oh, you could... If yeah, you there's, there's a ton, right? Cue them all up and just watch them. They're, they're unbelievable. The there's, one with um, uh, the Tyson one. I didn't see that. With Buster Douglas. Yeah. That one was terrific. There was, uh, there was the a, Jimmy Connors one was unbelievable. Really? The U.S. Open. Pete, you'd like that one. That's when he makes love the open. Yeah. Oh yeah, PJ would love that. I was I was at one of those matches. That's the only time I've ever been to the US Open. That that documentary really paints Aaron Crickstein in a weird light. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like as a real sad sack loser. <laughs> it's a name I'd never thought I'd hear. Again. Never and you would never think of Aaron Crickstein ever. Sad until you watch this. And then as you're watching this documentary, it all comes back to you, and you totally remember this guy. Nice. And it was like he, like, he was really good friends with Jimmy Connors. Okay. And then after this happened at the U.S. Open, like, Jimmy Connors wouldn't return his calls. It was, a we- it was like a really weird dynamic. <laughs> and the whole thing paints Jimmy, Con- Jimmy Connors as such a villain. Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if PJ's going to like that then. But, you, but you're not sure, like... You walk away from it. You walk away from it like, God, that guy's such a jerk. But there's something strangely compelling about him. Right. It's well done. That's awesome. And I I'll, I will I will check that out. I think uh, also for next week, just cue this up. I'm going to be in Texas next week, boys. Texas. Okay. So we may we may be off for a week. Yeah. <laughs> Again. It's the summer schedule. It's the summer schedule. We're like we're like Francesca. Um, You're going to be weighed down by the barbecue. Something. Guys, yeah. guys I've had 42 helpings of pulled pork. I can't <laughs> come to the mic. Uh, I won't be doing the show tonight. Brisket, my, my alter ego, will be doing the show. <laughs> Ready to unload with Cal and Brisket. I, um, <laughs> there will be pork. That's, that's the new P.T. Anderson movie. There will be pork. There will be pork. My name is Daniel Plainview, and I love pork. <laughs> no, but one to think about for a fun load, I came across a, uh, and I, I really want to do this. I came across a uh, top 25, I, you see these all the time as like links on Facebook pages and stuff like that. Top 25 things you didn't know about Fight Club. Okay. Oh, just, I, I eat that stuff up. I would love to. So we got to watch that movie? Are you, no, are you a BuzzFeed just, reader? I am. I love BuzzFeed. I love that. <laughs> come on. Don't we love that? You and your list. I love it. Dick, come on. Tell me you don't love that. Seven things you never knew about Emma Thompson. There you go. Because I'm not <laughs> clicking on that one. Ah. <laughs> Emma Thompson. <laughs> Number seven. She's not really British. 19 Chicago songs you didn't know you loved. (laughs) And we're full circle. Good job, everybody. (laughs) 
Mr. PJ, final unload over here. Over here. Oh, they meant more to me than I can ever express. All I can say is farewell and thank you, Monty Python. All of them? They gave their farewell uh, concert on the 20th. Why did that get so loud then? I don't know. Uh, They did? They had a farewell performance uh, from London, and it was simulcast in movie theaters all over the country. What? Live. No one tells me anything. Featuring Eddie Izzard and Mike Myers as feature players. What? Come on. Yeah. This, this country in America. Yes, they did. They did cheese shop and the parrot sketch and every well, sperm I, is sacred I, I and all the good ones. I think you dream this. All right, farewell, Monty Python. I love you. <laughs> Cal, final on the. A big congratulations to my girls, who went down the Jersey Shore to AC last week and won all the awards. Everything they won them all, and I could not be prouder of them. So, congratulations to my little dancers. Tiny dancers? No, they're little dancers. They're not tiny. (laughs) Damn it. They're little, and let's hope they don't get big and continue to dance in Atlantic City. (laughs) In a different venue. Right. And my final unload is, uh, for all you boys, farewell, Mr. James Garner. The magnificent, great, great, Super, just awesome guy. The guy girls want to be with, guys want to be. With. With. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy Garner. We were close. I called him Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> see you next week. Well, I'll see you uh, after the pork, boys. <laughs> Enjoy. Isn't that a Nelson song? <laughs> <laughs> Good night.